Good morning or good afternoon. Yeah, three services. Hey, good job making it to church. Made it to church this morning. Hey, my name is Ricky. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, love to say hi. It's been so fun being back in San Diego. Uh, this is my hometown. Uh, I just grew up a few miles south of here in Chula Vista. So it's been a fun visit and it's cool to be back. Lots of familiar faces, lots of new faces. So um, if I don't know you, please stop me. Say hi. I won't be weirded out at all. So I want to I wanna say, say hi to you. This is my wife, Tiffany. Say hi, Tiff. We have been married for, uh, it'll be 10 years next month. So yeah, that, that's worth a hand clap, I think. Uh, we... We were making it. We did it. Um, and then I also want to introduce my, my family, my, my children. So this is uh, Amos, Lucia, and Zeke. Amos is a little bit outdated, but uh, Amos is eight years old now. He loves science. He's in third grade in South Africa. He learns, he's learning uh, Afrikaans and Osa in his school. So he's just really acclimating super well. Lucia is uh, uh, just su such a sweet little girl. She loves animals and art. And, and Zeke just loves life. So if you know Zeke, you love Zeke. He's, he's fun. And then we have a, a fourth baby who's not up there. We got, there he is. That's Paxton. So that's our eight-month-old baby. He was born in a bathtub in South Africa. And uh, he's our South African baby. This is his first time stateside, so, uh, so this is his first time being here. So it's, uh, you'll see him around, chunky little guy. So that's my family, and uh, we're just so blessed. Um, we have the opportunity to lead All People's Church Stellenbosch. And, um, man, it's just so amazing to see what God's doing in, in, in the other side of the world. And I just want to start off by saying thank you guys for praying, believing, investing in our, in our work, in our church, in our team, um, I'm a firm, I, I, I believe wholeheartedly that the fruit that we're seeing is because people are first and foremost praying for us and praying for, for God to break in, in in Stellenbosch in South Africa. So so thank you. We're seeing, seeing some really cool things. Um, I think we talk about, or Hannah said, hey, we're about getting rock, getting real, give it away. It's funny because she's English, but uh, South Africans also had a hard time. Like, what does it mean to get rocked? Like, get stoned or what? Like... <laughs> But people get it, and because and, when we see people's lives getting transformed, then the language actually doesn't matter. And so we're seeing uh, people's lives getting transformed. They are getting rocked. They're getting transformed. They're getting real in community. They're jumping in discipleship and excited to give it away. And so we're just at the beginning. I, I really just feel that. We're at the beginning of what God wants to do in South Africa, and we have the honor of being able to be part of it. And so here's a little glimpse of our church. Uh, uh, we have a, a slide here. That's a little glimpse. Um, see, it's a, a diverse church of, of South Africans of all walks of life. And, and it's a cool community. A lot of you guys, or we just recently hosted the SOT team that came out and visited some of them. And, uh, and they got to experience it firsthand. And I'm sure that you can ask them, but it's a pretty cool church. And people are full of hunger for God. People are encountering him, and they're getting their lives changed. And we're seeing people come together, worshiping side by side. And 
it's it's amazing. And so they tell me to they say send uh, they send their love to all of you, all people shirt San Diego from all people shirt Stellenbosch, and and they I think it's just such a cool reality that we live in where there's a group of people with this like-hearted people from the other side of the world that are contending for the same things you are and believing for God to move in their lives and seeing God to move in, 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 in those around them. And um, I just think it's such an awesome, awesome reality we live in, that we are part of the same church family spread out all across the earth. And, uh, and I think about this picture uh, often, uh, it's a picture based out of Revelation 7, 9, and it's a verse of scripture that says, there's standing before the throne from every tribe, nation, and tongue, singing holy, 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 holy. Day and night. That's what we're working towards, is every tribe, every nation, every tongue, singing the same song in the same place, worshiping the same God. And I think about that a lot because that really drives me. I think about that as a vision saying, I want to be a part of that day when I look to my right and to the left and I see people speaking uh, Spanish and a European language and an African language and an Asian language and we're all singing the same song. Isn't that a beautiful picture? And that's what God is doing all over the earth. That's what he's working towards. And so um, I, we get to be a part of that, guys. If you're part of this church, that's what you're a part of. Whether you know it or not, that's what we're believing for. And we're about planning churches and seeing the nations transformed. Well, it's about seeing Revelation 9 come into to reality. So it's all of our inheritance. It's all of our reward. And uh, anyway, so it's just a good to, to be back and to see you guys. Um, so this morning, Tiff and I are going to talk about the soul of a church. I know you guys have been talking about soil of the soul. And so we get the opportunity to talk about what does it mean to be, to have, a, what is the soil of the church or the soul of the church? I'm getting those things mixed up. Soil, soul. Anyway, when I think about the soul, I think of like the essence of something, the, the core of some of the foundation. What is the, like, what's the essence of the church? And as a church planner, this is something that I naturally think about a lot because it's my job. But, uh, but uh, it's just something that I really, really went to the Lord uh, in as we launched out and we landed in South Africa. And then we had to ask God, what do we do now? And so I, I did the SOT school, uh, the training school. I did CP school. And those are awesome. And if you haven't signed up for SOT, do it. It's, it really was a transformative year in my life. Um, so we, and we learned a bunch of, we learned all these tactics and learned all these skills and learned all these methods and strategies. And then we landed in South Africa. We moved two years ago, left everything, landed, and then we're like, what, now what? <laughs> and so I want to bring you just in, really just quickly into a journey that God brought me through to really discover what I would consider, what is the soul of the church? What is the foundation? What is the essence? What is actually most important? And one thing I learned is that a lot of the things we do in church, nobody's fault, but it's just cultural. The way we sing, the way we sit, the way we do certain things are just cultural things because that's how we're used to it. And a lot of that's really good. We need that to organize ourselves and to structure things. But also some of that is not in the Bible. It's just cultural. And I really God brought me on a journey of, okay, you're here. Let's identify what is it that is actually the soul, the, the core, the essentials, the, the lowest common denominator, so to speak. 
And so, um, so I, I asked myself this question, and I'm going to ask you guys, and uh, you guys could just think about it, is why did Jesus come to the earth? Take a few seconds. Why did Jesus come to the earth? Okay. Um, so I'm sure you guys had a really good answer pop in your mind. If you're like most Christians, you would probably have the right answer, which is that Jesus came to die for our sins. And you'd be absolutely right. But God brought me on a journey of expanding this, uh, this uh, reality or this, uh, this idea, this question um, that, that he showed me. It's actually far more broader than that. He says he came to make all things new. He came to restore everything that its sin is destroyed, including our relationship with him. And that's why he died on the cross and, and saved us from our sins. So let's just jump in and let's look at what does Jesus say about himself? So we're going to look at a verse of scripture, but before we do, I'm going to give some context. How did Jesus start his earthly ministry? Well, go back 2,000 years ago, uh, town in Nazareth in Israel, there's Jews worshiping, devout Jews worshiping in the synagogue, and the Romans were ruling Israel at the time. They're occupying it. They ran the show. They were in charge. And, uh, and so Jesus walks into a synagogue of devout people who are worshiping, and he does something really profound. But just so you know, these guys that were worshiping were waiting for a Messiah. So the Romans were ruling. They were running the show. But God had promised a Messiah hundreds of years before there would be a Messiah that would come and restore the kingdom of Israel back to the Jews. And this king would reign on David's throne forever. So these guys that were worshiping that day knew that, and they were waiting and believing, and they were hoping, even though hundreds of years have passed, and nothing has happened, and just mundane life is going on as it, as it always has been. The Romans were leading everything. So Jesus walks in, he takes the scroll, and he opens it to this verse in Isaiah that's talking about the Messiah. And this is what he says in Luke 4, 17 through 21. Starting in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to, to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Wow. So it says this, everybody's eyes were fastened on him. And what does he say? He says, Today, this is fulfilled in your midst. So a little further uh, down in that same verse, in verse 40, or in the same chapter, in, the, in verse 43, he says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that's why I was sent. So why did Jesus come to the earth? Well, he says to proclaim the good news of the kingdom. So what does that mean? So I said this earlier, he came to make all things new. Look in uh, Colossians with me. I have this verse also. Colossians 1, 15, it's talking about the, the supremacy of Jesus. But I want to start in verse 19, and I read it out. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. So we see that Jesus is a reconciler of everything. 
So because of sin, there's been decay, there's been destruction, there's been, de- it's, it's really destroyed our relationship. First, sin destroys our relationship with God, and it destroys our relationship with everything around us. But Jesus says, I came to make all things new, to reconcile everything that can be reconciled back to myself and put it in its right place. So what does it mean to be reconciled? It's to make, to make put in right relationship with. And so this is a journey that God brought me on and says he came to bring the kingdom and then he'll establish his church. And so this has become like our, our strategy. And, I, and I, I, my daughter, Lucia, said it so well a while back. We were praying at, the, at bedtime, and we were praying, and, and she asked Jesus, Jesus, come take all of our owies away. And she's such a sweet little girl, but it, like, moved me because in her little five-year-old or six-year-old words, she was saying, God, would your kingdom come? Would you take away everything that sin has destroyed, and would you make it right? Take away all of our owies in the entire world and make it right. And when we moved to, when we, when we, what we intended and what we're believing for in Stellenbosch is that God's kingdom would come. It's been our strategy. God, would your kingdom come to Stellenbosch as earth, as, on earth, on, in Stellenbosch as it is in heaven. And, uh, and I learned that when we do kingdom first and God, God's kingdom breaks out, then the church is birthed. We see this in Acts 1 and 2. Where, where Jesus says, uh, wait in Jerusalem and I will send my spirit. Then the spirit comes and, uh, and 3,000 people get saved. And then the church is birthed. God's kingdom first comes and then the church is organized around it. And so uh, that's what we're believing for. And that's what we're seeing, guys, is God restoring what the enemy has tried to destroy. And so I want to just, just give you a little bit of background about Stellenbosch and share what God is doing in our church, because we're witnessing this. We're, we're seeing it firsthand. Um, if you, Stellenbosch is a, is a, a city, about 100,000 people, and mostly students, a lot of students, not mostly, it's a big university town, one of the uh, most pre- prestigious universities in the continent. It's also a very wealthy town, disproportionately wealthy and disproportionately influential. And it's, a, it's also a hub of, of culture and tons of history. It, it's one of the earliest uh, African settlements in the entire continent. But it's also one of the areas where uh, the, the, the economic divide is the most stark. It, it is a, an area that's staggeringly uh, stark contrast between rich and poor. You have some of the richest in the continent and some of the poorest in the continent living literally side by side. And so if you know the history of South Africa, you know there's a lot of history of brokenness with, uh, with uh, uh, the, the system of government that was very oppressive towards black people. And there's a lot of anger and resentment that's, re- that's still there and people not trusting each other and actually viewing each other with disdain and a lot of hostility. And so this is the context we walk into and we're saying, God, what do you want us to do? You called us here. What do we do next? We want your kingdom to come. What does that look like? And this is one of the verses that uh, God led us to in Ephesians 2. I'm going to read out 2 verse 14. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So if you know South African, you spent time there, you would feel it. There is a wall of hostility between people groups. And there's no more place, there's not a place, I think, more where that's more evident than Stellenbosch. It's a beautiful place. Lots 
a lot. It's, a, it's an amazing place to be. But there is a wall of hostility between people. And there's a lot of pain and frustration and anger and fear. But God said, I want to send my kingdom and I want to make all things new. I want to restore the brokenness that has been here for generations. And so we asked God, what do, we, well, what do you want us to do? Well, he said, hey, I'm making the two become one. And I'm raising up a people that will go where no one else wants to go. And so at the time, we were meeting in a small house church in my living room. And, uh, and it was awesome. But, uh, but God started putting on our hearts, okay, it's time to take the next step. And we asked God, well, where do you want us to go? And God said, go where no one else will go. And for us, that was a township. And so if you've never spent time in South Africa, townships are, uh, for lack of a better word, ghettos where predominantly black South Africans live. And it's characterized by high rates of crime, extreme poverty. And if you're a white person, you just never go there. It's just we tell people, and like, why would you do that? I've been here my whole life. We don't go to that spot. And God spoke to us and said, don't go into the town. Go where no one else wants to go. And that's where I want to start building my kingdom. And so we did it. We launched a couple uh, months ago, and we've seen some amazing things happen. Tiff's going to share a little more about it, but how people were going low, asking for forgiveness, forgiving, doing things that you can't, you can't um, make up and you can't take credit for. It's only the Holy Spirit. When God, when God transforms things, God does things and people do things that only God can do. And so we're seeing that happen. And it's really exciting. I just want to say we're just at the beginning and it's been such an honor. But what I've realized going back to why, why did Jesus come and what's the soul of the church? Well, at the core of it, it's relationship. Jesus said, I'm going to preach the good news of, my, of the kingdom. I'm going to make all things right. And he starts with restoring relationships. First relationship is he restores our relationship with him and then others. And so Tiff and I are going to share more about this. But said the first one that he wants to restore is a relationship with God. And so I just want to say, if you're in this room and you have a broken relationship with God or no relationship with God or a distant relationship with God, he's here to restore He's here to make it new. Jesus sent his, or God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sin. He rose again. And if we believe in him and confess that he rose again from the dead, that we will be saved and we can be restored today. So uh, I just want to say, don't wait. You don't have to wait. God, this is one of the reasons why he came is to restore our relationship with him. Tiff's going to talk about how he restores with others. Okay, I love this view, this view of the church. Um, it's my favorite group of people in the earth, whether it's here or in Stellenbosch. I get to look out and see um, this community that is so powerful. I think sometimes we forget, you know, even on a Sunday morning when you're prepping to come, right, you wake up, you get ready, you drive down University Avenue, some of you check your kids in, you get your coffee, and you sit down. And in Stellenbosch, it's kind of the same, but our drive looks a little different. We're going to pull up a picture. But um, this is Kaimendi. So this is a, actually a very beautiful picture of the township. So when we're driving to church, we'll see chickens or pigs on the side of the road, children playing in the street. These are shacks that people live in or businesses that are in shacks. You'll see a lot of crazy things, street meat, um, cooking. But when we get into our, our building in Kaimendi, it's a lot the same, right? I check my kids in, I get my coffee, and I sit down. 
But I think sometimes we forget because it becomes a routine what we're actually a part of. The church is the most incredible, countercultural, life-transforming agent on planet Earth from history past and in history future. We are the answer to the world. And I think sometimes we forget that. We even become partakers instead of actively engaged in what God is doing and his purposes for the church. Just like Ricky said, you know, we start out, before we're in the kingdom of God, we start out, all of us, in the kingdom of darkness. And we're transferred into the kingdom of light. And in the kingdom, there's a king, right? And the king rules and he reigns and he has a certain way that he does things. And if we follow the ways of the king, everything's going to be right. There's not going to be chaos. There's not going to be a distortion. There's not going to be pain in the there might be pain, but you're, there's not going to be destruction and breakdown and death. There's going to be life and life abundant. And so the relationships, the soul of a church, what we're talking about, it's relationships, right? It's relationships with God. Obviously, we fall in love with him. We get to know him. We hear him speak to us. And then secondly, it is relationships with one another. And I would say foremost, he is calling us to relate to each other in the church in a very unique and dynamic way. It's the way of the kingdom. And it looks way different than the ways of the world. Uh, right before Jesus' death, he um, has his disciples, so his friends, the people he's doing life with. That's church at that point in history. And he does this radical thing of its time, and he washes the disciples' feet. And he says something in the end, and it's kind of what marks us as believers. It is what marks us. I would say it's the soul of the church. It is what we are to be about. And it's in John 13, and he says... He says, so I give you a new commandment. I command you, love each other just as much as I have loved you. Ooh, that is a high call. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. One thing that marks relationship in the church or should mark relationship in the church is love. And it's not the kind, right, that you see in the rom-com or the love story or even um, a loving community like I think of the Instagram pic with the caption and the friends on the mountain and like this is the most epic thing you can be a part of. It's actually not that. That might be a part of it. You might do that and that is awesome. But it's actually people who are loving one another in the way that Jesus modeled it. Now, how did Jesus model that? It is a love. He's calling us to a love that leads us to lay down our lives for each other. It's to operate in humility with one another. It's relinquishing our rights. It's staying faithful to the end. And for Jesus, it led him to ultimately die. It's a love. He is calling us to a love that is going to cost us something. It is not always going to feel good. It is not always going to feel comfortable. But that's what sets us apart, right, from any organization, any school, any military, any team. That is what makes us different is because we are going to love like Jesus. And that's what's going to change the world. The center of a church, it's this sacrificial love. It's a love that pours itself out. And if you miss this, I really think we're missing the whole point, right? If we just come um, to partake or engage while it feels good and then we stop, we're missing what he's actually calling us to. And we're missing the commandment that he asked of us. 
In the church, we are called by Jesus to live to the point of death. And here in America, right, chances are you're not going to die for the person sitting next to you. But in another nation or another part of the world, you might actually be asked of that. But here, it's more an inward death, right? It's not fun to talk about death, but it is. He is calling us to an inward death, that we would die to ourselves, right? Die to our agenda. Die to our comfort. Die to our... Um, things that we cling to, and in it, love people well. Love the person next to us. Love the person in the church. So uh, when we moved to South Africa, we went with this amazing group of people. Some of you know them. They're incredible. There was about 10 of us, and we were so eager. When we got there, we're like, we're going to preach the gospel on the streets, which we did. We're going to pray for the sick, which we did. We're going to invite people into the church, which we did, and we loved it. But what I started to see and what we started to see is the thing God was putting his finger on first and foremost was our relationships with one another. Would we love each other in the way that he asks us to? Later, after he washes the disciples' feet in John 15, he kind of says it again, and he says it like this. This is my command. Love each other deeply as much as I have loved you. So he's saying it again. For the greatest love of all is a love that sacrifices all. Oh. And this great love is demonstrated when a person sacrifices his life. I think of it like this. When a person sacrifices his well-being, his comfort, his reputation, his time, he does it for his friends. That is what he's calling us to be as the church. And that's when a soul of a church is thriving. So we, begin, we began to ask ourselves these questions, or I feel like God started to kind of brew these questions in um, what was the beginnings of our church, right? Just our little church planning team. And these were some of the things we were asking. Would we forgive each other over and over and over again? Would we believe the best and speak hope instead of criticism or discouragement or frustration? Would we long suffer, which means to suffer a long time for each other. Would we show up and initiate and not wall off when things get hard, right? Not actually keep putting ourselves out there in vulnerability. Would we actively participate, participate even when we didn't feel like it? Would we learn to relate to one another because the same spirit is in each of us, not just because we had stuff in common, because sometimes we didn't. Could we learn to have friendship and relationship under the same mission and by the same spirit? Would we sacrifice our time for healthy conflict? This one is hard, but it works. Would we have multiple evenings of conversations, sometimes emotions flying? Would we press in until we felt peace and unity? Would we bless and support those over us when they do things we didn't understand, when they didn't see us, when they made a mistake and hurt us, when they sinned and wounded us? Would we forgive and bless and honor? Would we not become exasperated when we were leading people and they didn't um, mature overnight? Would we patiently walk with them in the process? And then this one I think is huge. Would we actively uproot offense in our own hearts. Stop pointing fingers at the others, but point the finger inside and say, hey, I'm not going to let unforgiveness grow into something in my heart. I'm going to pluck it out. I'm going to take responsibility for what's happening within. I'm not going to grow into bitterness, unforgiveness, and resentment. And that's a personal job. 
by the grace of Jesus. Would we love like Jesus did? I started to learn that all the promises God had spoken to me. Um, and one of the things that he shared was this epic vision um, of Africa as a whole, right? The continent. And there was this fire that started in the bottom. And this is in South Africa. And it went up the coast into Northern Africa and into the Middle East. And I loved that picture. It's what motivated us to sell everything we own, leave our house, leave our family, go to a place we didn't know was this picture. I wanted to be a part of it. And if you know me, I'm, a, I'm an intense person. I like intense things. Since I was little, I was like, I want to be on the front lines. I want to see God do things. I want to raise the dead. I want to see his kingdom. I want to do this. I want to be a part. So I wanted it. I wanted what God had promised us. But I, in his kindness, he led me to see that it's only through the pathway of relationships within the church it's the loving, the one person in front of you. It's forgiving the person over you. It's the one-on-one -on -one and the one-on-two. That's what's going to lead to the call of God. And it's the same for you. So the conflict, we all have it, right? If you're, if you're close enough to someone, you're going to have the conflict or the irritation or the offense or the misunderstanding or the injustice. All the things that you're in the midst of, they are not in the way of the thing that God has promised. They're not in the way of the person that God's calling you to be. They are the only way to get there. And that's uncomfortable because we want to bypass it, right? We want to say, you are the problem. Get I need to get to where God's calling me. But God knows, and you look in the life of David, he's going to put you through the ringer to make you look like him on planet Earth. Can't avoid it. You can't get around it. He's calling you to let the hard parts of community and of relationship and of being with people rub us and work us and sharpen us to become a vessel that can hold the thing he's promising if he's going to pour out his power, which I want. If he's going to pour out his spirit, which I want. If he's going to heal and transform and do these amazing things, we have to be able to hold it well, right? We have to look like him and be like him and be worthy of the call. And so he's going to use people. That's what he does. He uses people and he uses pain to make us into a vessel. You know, when we prepped to move overseas, uh, we did the church planning school after the School of Transformation. And one of the things they told us is when you move on a team to a foreign country, it's like putting everyone in a closet and you like live inside this closet. It's a very cramped kind of situation. So if you imagine 10 people in a closet, 10 grown people and our kids in a closet, you're going to get some like you know, elbows to the ribs, you're going to get your feet stepped on, somebody might have bad breath, and you're like, get, get me out of here, like, I can't, I need, I need my space, and um, I think that's how it is in the church, right, it's, it's easy to engage and to push into community until it's not easy anymore, right, it's easy to love until you don't feel the love back, and here, I think in a city like San Diego, because I've lived here a lot of my life, it is easy to avoid things that make us feel uncomfortable or make us feel frustrated. Instead of working in it and pushing into it, we can fully avoid it. You can get too busy. You can get too tired. You can get too offended. You can switch life groups. I can't handle this anymore. You can even change your service. You don't ever have to see the person that God's using to work you. You can avoid it altogether. But I feel like God is saying, will you push into the pain of relational tension and let it work you into a person that their reaction is to forgive, 
to give grace, to give mercy, to be love and love and love to the point that it costs you something. Listen, you are gonna miss out on what God, when he dreamed up the church, the New Testament church, what he dreamed up, you're gonna miss it if you stay offended. If you keep saying, well, this is how the story was and it needs to be told my way. If you wanna die on that hill, you can die on that hill, but you're gonna miss out on the purpose and his dream for the church. And I'm talking all people's church, San Diego. There is a dream in his heart, this vision to bless the nations of the earth and bless this city. He wants to do it, but first he wants us to love each other, right? We're not gonna be given a city or a people group or a nation if we can't be faithful with the person sitting next to us. He's just not gonna do it. Faithful in the little, and he's gonna give you the much. And it's not always fun. It's, listen, I've, we have done it. We have done it. You do it in marriage. You do it in team. You do it, and it hurts, and it hurts. But there is another side where God knits people together in a way that is so beautiful, and it is so glorious. The church is rich, it's powerful, it's life-transforming. You sitting in this, this room today, this is what's gonna change San Diego. It's what's gonna send out and change and reach people groups that have never even heard the gospel. But you're gonna miss out also if you just passively partake and you don't fully jump in. And I think that's something that's easy. It's easy to do that here. You can just come and take in and not actually have to put yourself out there because it is hard to be vulnerable and open yourself up to people. We have all been hurt, but I feel like God is challenging us. Show up, go deep, put yourself out there and really jump into his dream for the church. You know, I feel like um, because I'm right, I'm from South Africa. Well, I'm in South Africa. I'm just popping in and popping out. So I'm going to just tell you a couple things. Um, I don't know. I'm just going to say them. But if you aren't going to life group, listen, life group, you're missing out. You're missing out on the purpose of what God dreamed. And, and you read about in Acts 2.42, they met house to house. There is something for you, something for your process, something for your sanctification, something for your journey and your story that you're only gonna find in a life group. That's how it is. If you are not being discipled or actively looking to disciple someone, May I suggest that you're missing out. You are missing out on what God wants to do in you and through you. If you aren't engaging outside of a Sunday, you are missing out. You are, this is just um, a celebration of what God's doing in people's hearts as they walk life together. When he dreamed up the church, and it went, if you, I think more than anything, if you don't choose to forgive and forgive and forgive again and forgive again, you are certainly missing out. If you let offense and bitterness stay, and sometimes, right, we don't even know it's still there. It's, it's deep down. It's from a childhood church. It's from the church before for this one. There's that, um, that misunderstanding by that leader. There's that um, frustration. I feel like God is saying, if we do not release that into the hands of the judge, let him deal with it. We are not gonna see what God has promised for us personally and for the body. Everything Jesus does, right, it's in community and through community. That's how he operates. It is a joke, and I'm, I, I have had to rework this out of myself, that he is not going to operate in the vacuum of me, myself, and I. He's not going to do it. That is not how he works. He is a trinity, right? He's a father, son, Holy Spirit. Everything God does is out of the interweaving of three people in one. He does everything out in community and through community, everything, 
You know, when we let him work us, we become love on earth. When we let him move in us and we press in and we let the church form us and transform us, that is what's going to change the world. And we're seeing this in South Africa, like Ricky was saying, I'm seeing people come to the table who for generations. So it's not just the leader that didn't recognize me or the friend that had an emotional outburst and said this thing that hurt me. This is people who have been oppressed for generations. It is deep. There is history of violence from people groups. And there's history, there's deep history. And they're coming to the table and they're saying, listen, I'm gonna forgive you because Jesus forgave me. I'm gonna be a part of this thing. And it's really challenging to us as our American team, but me personally to say, hey, I have to, I got to find it all and rip it out. Every unforgiveness, because I'm so challenged by our people in South Africa. And we're seeing because of that, the kingdom is coming. This is what's transforming a city. This is what changes things. So what I want to do today is I want to ask, um, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to show us um, places that we need to give back over to the Lord. People that we need to release. Storylines that we just keep reliving in our head that he's saying, just give it to me. Forgive as I have forgive, forgiven you. And um, so, yeah, we, if we just stand, I'm just gonna ask the Lord. He has been so faithful in the other services. He's doing incredible things in people because I think all of us, if we've gotten close enough, right, with someone else, chances are we've had hurt. And I feel like God is saying, hey, the things I've spoken to All People's Church San Diego, if you are here, I'm going to do them. I am going to do the things that I said. This is an incredible group to be a part of. But if you want to be a part of it deeply and intimately, it's going to cost you something, right? It's going to cost you pressing in. It's going to cost you engaging past the place that feels comfortable. It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you your vacation. It might cost you your finances. It's going to cost you something, but he's going to do the thing he promised. He is faithful. He's going to change you. He's going to change your marriages and your families and your workplaces and your university. He's going to change the city. He's going to set people on fire and send them into the nations of the earth, and then he's going to transform nations. It is the time in history to be engaged with the church. I am telling you, you do not want to miss out. You don't want to miss out because of bitterness. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out. You don't want to miss out. So Holy Spirit, you're in us. When we were born again and we were made right with you, you filled us. So I ask, would you lead us into all truth? Would you show us? Show us, God in our history where we have not blessed, forgiven, and released. God, set us free. Let us be a people that love so deeply and so costly. Let us love your bride the way that you do, God.